You're listening to The Thriving Nurse Podcast. I'm your host, Abby Sanchez, and this is episode 196, Delegation Drama. Did you know your nursing dream job is out there? But it's not something you find. It's something you create. And I can show you how. I'm Abby Sanchez, and I'm a life coach for nurses. Using my experience at the bedside, along with my psychology degree, I help nurses build confidence, manage overwhelm, and fall in love or back in love with being a nurse. So come along with me and I'll help you create the career and life you crave. You ready? Let's go. Today, we're gonna talk about delegation. This is a podcast episode I've had on my list of podcast ideas for a really long time. And I just never quite knew what to say about it. But for some reason today, it just all fell into place. I was like, oh, this is what we should talk about in regards to delegation. So we're going to talk about delegation drama. Do you feel that drama? Like when you think about delegating to your nursing assistant or asking another nurse for help, do you feel kind of anxious about it? Maybe you're hesitant to ask for help or hesitant to assign your nurse aide to do something for you. And it creates that feeling of drama for you. So as a new nurse for me, I definitely felt that. I was like, oh, it's so awkward asking someone else to do something that I'm capable of doing, right? I'm capable of going and taking vital signs or getting a blood sugar or repositioning a patient or helping them to the bathroom. So it felt really uncomfortable asking other people to do those things. So maybe if you're a new nurse, you can relate to that. Or even if you've been a nurse for a long time, you might feel just still some hesitancy to ask for help or to delegate tasks to other people. So we're going to work through that delegation drama today. Okay. So first, before we get into some of that drama you might experience, first, I want to ask you, why do we delegate in the first place? Like what's behind delegation? What's the goal of delegation? So I came up with three. I came up with three reasons we delegate. First, It allows everyone to contribute their skills, right? So CNAs have a particular set of skills, right? Like like Liam Neeson, he has a particular set of skills. We're not utilizing those types of skills like in Taken. But our CNAs have a certain set of skills that they're really good at. My CNAs are way better at doing bed changes than I am. Whenever I help out with bed changes... I am really awkward about it and like, I'm like, is the pad low enough? Am I getting things up too high? Is that tucked far enough? But my CNAs just jump in there and they know exactly what they're doing. So they have those skills. They are really good at doing all that. They've got their flow down with getting a whole bunch of vital signs and getting them entered and doing the I's and O's and all of that stuff. I can do it, right? That's my skill set too, but I also have some other skills. I can pass medications, I can do assessments, I'm good at educating patients. So by delegating to the CNAs, my nurse aides, tasks that fall within their skill set, they're able to get those things done and I'm able to focus on the tasks that I'm good at and that I'm trained to do and are in my scope of practice. 
right? Like it's just like with doctors and nurses. Doctors have things they're really good at. They're good at diagnosing things. They're good at looking at the overall picture of what the patient needs and prescribing medications. So we want them to focus on those things so that nurses can focus on assessments, medications, providing that day-to-day care, right? Okay, so that's the first reason we delegate. The second is because we're utilizing people's skill sets and everyone's skill sets, we can get more done. Have you ever been TPC for a patient? Right, total patient care. So you're doing all of the vital signs, like the CNA duties and the nursing duties. You can do it all, but at least at my facility, you have fewer patients when you're doing that because they know you can't do that for your usual patient load as a nurse. So when we assign other people those different tasks, when we have other people to help, we can get more done. The vital signs are all getting done by the CNAs. And I know not all your facilities work the same way as mine, but at my unit, the CNAs, start of shift, maybe even while I'm still getting a report or looking over the chart, they're off doing all the vital signs. And that's getting done so that I can go give the meds on time and do my assessments. And so when I get to the room and I've got some meds to give, I can look and see that hopefully the vital signs have been charted and I can see what my patient's blood pressure was and their heart rate and all of that so I can safely give the med. So we get more done. It's more efficient. It's kind of like the assembly line for automobiles and other, you know, all kinds of factories now use assembly lines. Like imagine a doll assembly line. As the dolls go down the assembly line, more dolls can be produced in the same period of time. One person might be doing something with the hair and the next person might be doing something with the face or the clothing of that doll. So they're assembling all the different parts, but one person is just doing the same thing over and over again. They get really good at it. And then it gets passed to the next person where they can do what they're really good at really efficiently. And then it gets passed to the next person and so on, right? But if one person was doing the doll start to finish, they're changing gears. They're having to think, you know, what do I need to do next? And I need to go get these pieces. And it's not as efficient as just doing the same task and getting really good at them and having more people involved. Okay, so that was reason number two we delegate. And then the third reason is by sharing the workload, it keeps one single person from taking on too much. So as we divvy up the workload, it feels more manageable usually, right? If we're choosing thoughts that it's more manageable, which is easier when we're sharing the workload, then we're not getting as resentful. We're not getting as burnt out or overwhelmed. We feel more supported. So all of that helps with our emotional health where we enjoy our jobs more when we're feeling those emotions. And it also helps with patient safety if we're talking about delegating our patient care, right? Because as more gets done, then our patients are looked after more effectively. You can get them their meds, or you can go check on one patient while your CNA is caring for another patient. So we're not missing something. There aren't as many gaps in their care because we're working more efficiently. So there are lots of reasons to delegate, but those are three that I came up with that I want you to keep in mind 
as you work through this delegation drama, because sometimes delegating is uncomfortable. So we need to remember why we're willing to experience that discomfort. Ultimately, it's going to help our units run more smoothly. It's going to utilize everyone's expertise, and it's going to help us stay emotionally healthy and our patients receive better care. Okay? So now, let's get into some of that delegation drama. What comes up for you when you think, I should delegate this task? What comes up for you when you're in a patient room or you get paged about something and you're like, okay... This is something I could delegate, and you start to feel some uneasiness about it. So I want to talk to you about a few different things that might be coming up for you, some common things that I see come up for nurses as they consider delegating. Okay, so the first one is a big one. We often think, what will my CNA think of me if I delegate this? What will this other person think of me if I ask them to do this thing? So I want you to answer that for yourself. Like if you can go back in your mind to one of those situations during your shift where you felt uneasy to delegate, if that was the question in your mind, what will they think of me? How would you have answered that question? Are you afraid they're going to think you're lazy, that you're mean, that you're bossy, that you're inconsiderate? What are you worried that they're going to think about you? Now, we can make peace with that. I help coach nurses in Bold Nurse Society about, you know, what if your mother-in-law thinks that of you? What if your husband thinks that of you? What if this charge nurse thinks that of you? And we can work on that to make peace with it. But one thing I want you to know is that whenever that's the question in our mind, what is this other person going to think about me? How are they going to feel? It becomes really scary. Because we cannot control what other people think and feel. We can try to. Sometimes we make good guesses about how they're going to respond to us. Sometimes we can do a pretty good job. But it's unpredictable. Because from one day to the next, your CNA might think, oh, that's totally reasonable they're asking me to do this. And then another time, maybe even in the same shift, they're like, I can't believe they're asking me to do that. How annoying. So we can't control what they think and what they feel about you. So when that's our focus, it becomes really scary because we're like, I better do everything right. I better read their mind. I need to control how they're feeling. And we just can't do it. So instead, where I want you to switch your focus whenever you're thinking, what are they going to think about me? How are they going to feel about me? Are they going to think I'm lazy or mean or inconsiderate? Instead, what I want you to ask yourself is what do I think of me? That question is a lot less scary because you can just answer it honestly and know for sure. With other people, we never really know for sure. Even if they tell us like, oh yeah, I'm happy to go do a bed change. They could be really angry and we don't know for sure, right? So it's kind of scary when we're focused on other people's emotions and how they're responding to us. But when we ask ourselves, what do I think of me? Then it's a lot less scary. So do I think I'm lazy? Like all those things that I thought they were going to think of me, I turn it to myself. I say, do I think I'm lazy if I ask my CNA to do this thing? And then I answer it honestly. If the answer is, yeah, I am actually being kind of lazy, then I might want to reconsider delegating, right? I'm like, oh, I actually do have the time to do this. They seem kind of busy. I'm just 
asking them to do it because I don't want to, even though I have nothing more important to do, then I'm going to reconsider, right? I'm like, oh, okay. I actually think I'm being lazy. I don't know what they would think of me if I asked them to do it. They might be totally happy to do it. But the real truth is that I think I'm being lazy, so I might want to reconsider delegating. But maybe I don't. Maybe I'm like, I really like my reasons for delegating. I have another patient that really needs my help, or I need to get these medications passed and taking to this patient to the bathroom right now is not something that I feel like I should be spending my time doing. Like I had this happen to me a couple of shifts ago. It was late into the, the med pass and I hadn't seen a few of my patients still. And a patient asked me to take them to the bathroom. And I asked them, you know, do, is it something urgent? Because if it is, I can help you up. But would you be okay waiting a little bit for my CNA so that I can go see my other patients? And they were okay with that. So I left the room and went and asked my CNA to take them to the bathroom. Now, I felt some of that mental drama come up because sometimes you hear CNAs complain like the nurse was in the room. They could have just so easily taken them to the bathroom, right? And so maybe the CNA would have thought that about me. But I asked myself, do I like my reason for asking them to do it? They're sitting here at the nurse's station. I still haven't seen a few of my patients. I feel good about this. Okay, so that's the first check is what do I think about me and kind of going through that conversation in your head. But that's not the end of it. It's not like then we decide, yeah, I like my reason, so I'm just going to go tell them what to do. Because like one of those things was, I don't want them to think I'm inconsiderate. Instead of asking that question, do I think I'm being considerate of them? Right? We can't control what they think, but do I think I'm being considerate of them? So if I ask myself that question, then instead of just going and telling them what to do, like go take them to the bathroom, go do this, I need you to do this, and not giving them any say in the matter, I want to be considerate for me because that's who I want to show up as a, as a nurse, I'm not trying to control their emotions about me, but I personally feel like that's me at my best. So I might say to them, I haven't seen a few of my patients yet, and this patient just asked to go to the bathroom. Would you be willing to go take them to the bathroom? And it's a collaboration. It's not me telling them what to do, but me at my best feels like me communicating my reasons for asking them, my priorities And then listening to what they think about it, what's going on for them, because I do want to be considerate. So delegating isn't telling people what to do. I think when we think of it that way, we feel like we're being mean and bossy. And when other people delegate to us, we think they're being rude. But that's not what delegating is. The way I like to think of delegating is it's finding the most appropriate person for the task. It's finding the most appropriate person for the task. So that depends on a lot of things, right? So the most qualified could be one of those things, right? I'm not going to ask the pharmacy tech while they're stocking the meds to go help my patient to the bathroom because that's not their scope of practice. So yes, I want someone who's qualified. Me and the CNA are both qualified. So I feel comfortable asking them. But then we also want to consider other things, the most available 
maybe I'm more available sometimes, so I'm going to do it. If they're available and I'm not available because I have other priorities and things I need to do, then they might be the most appropriate person for the task. So that's how I like to think about it. Delegating isn't telling people what to do. It's collaborating to find the best person for the job. All right, the second little piece of drama that might come up for you is what are you making it mean about yourself if you ask for help? So the first one was, what might they think of me? But in this case, I want you to pay attention to what are you making it mean about yourself as a nurse if you need to ask for help? Whether it's from an aide or from another nurse on the floor, what are you making that mean about yourself? So we talked about some of them, right, that I'm lazy or mean, but I think often with this mind drama that happens, what many nurses make it mean is that they're incompetent. Like, let's say you struggled to get an IV in and you asked another nurse to help you, you delegated that task to them. Are you making it mean that you're not good enough at IVs or you're not smart enough as a nurse or you're not capable of your job if you need to go get the CNA to take a patient to the bathroom so you can get your meds passed on time? What are you making that mean about you? Many of us have drama about asking for help, not just as nurses, but in our lives in general. Asking for help from your partner or a family member or a neighbor. Asking for help with kids or finances or cooking and housework. We have all this drama about asking for help. So I want you to just notice where you fall with your comfort level with asking for help. Because I think many of us, we might think asking for help is a sign of weakness and feel shame around it. So is that what you think when you ask for help? Are you like, I'm, I'm just not strong enough. I'm not good enough. I'm weak because I'm asking for help. That has kind of changed in broader conversations where you hear people say, it's okay to ask for help. You hear that a lot, right? Like, it's okay to ask for help as a new mom. It's okay to ask for help as a nurse. It's okay to ask for help with your kids or if you're struggling with something. It's okay to ask for help. For me, I think that's a step in the right direction, but I still feel like there's this negative connotation with asking for help. It's like patting someone on the head like, it's okay. It's all right you needed to resort to that. Like, it's better if you hadn't, but it's okay if you did. Like, if you ask someone how they're doing and they say, I'm okay, then it's not like, oh, they're amazing. They're awesome. You're still kind of like, oh, is something wrong? And that's the feeling I get when people say, it's okay to ask for help. Something's still kind of wrong when we talk about it that way, right? At least for me, that's the way I feel about it. So what I like to switch that sentence to, and I do this with my kids, is I say, that's great you asked for help. Good job asking for help. I'm proud of you for asking for help. I say this to my two and a half year old all the time. He used to get really mad if he couldn't get his car seat buckled and he didn't want me to help him. But the times when he would ask me for help, 
I would praise him for it. Instead of being like, it's okay to ask for help. I was like, that's awesome you asked for help. Good job. I'm happy to help you. I can totally help you with that. Like for me, instead of it just being okay to ask for help, I'm like, it is so wise to ask for help. That's brilliant to ask for help. For all those reasons that we talked about with delegating, because we can get so much more done when you ask for help. You let other people utilize their skills. It's better for you emotionally and it's safer for everyone involved or more productive for everyone involved. It's so wise and brilliant to ask for help. So just gauge where you fall with it. Are you like asking for help is a sign of weakness? It's okay to ask for help, but not ideal. Or do you really think it's wise and a great thing to ask for help? So play around with that. See if maybe you can start making baby steps towards the next way of thinking about it, if you want to. I find that celebrating asking for help and being proud to ask for help serves me much better in my life. Okay, we're going to talk about one more piece of delegation drama. So another one I often hear from people when it comes to delegating is what if they don't do a good job? I get it. Like we take pride in our work. We want top quality work. It reflects on us is what we feel all the time, right? Like if my patients don't get the care they need, it comes back to me. Or I just want this done well. I want my patients to get the best they can get. And so we really want people to do a good job. And I'm all for that. I don't think it's wise to delegate to people that you really don't trust. If you're like, they're not going to do this safely for my patient. Or maybe you're more careful about how you delegate. Maybe you check back in or lay out expectations. So I'm not saying just blindly delegate without considering if the person you're asking has a pattern or a history of doing a good job with it or not. Like we want to take all of that into consideration. But I think those situations are pretty rare. Like most CNAs can take vital signs or can help a patient to the bathroom. They can do a good job with those types of things, right? Now, again, if I need to lay out some expectations or make requests like, if we're monitoring a patient's blood pressure really regularly and I'm worried they're going to forget, then instead of just taking that job on myself, I can make a request. I can say, you know, every two hours when you get the vital signs, will you just text me what it is? So that way we know it got done and we can feel better about it. It's not like lingering in our mind, like, are they going to do it? Are they going to forget? We can check back in. So we can make some of those requests. We can lay out expectations. This is how I'd love things to be done. All of that. If that doesn't happen, if it, the task isn't done to a level that is safe and suitable and like you truly are feeling like there's a problem, then those are some opportunities for growth. Whether it's you educating that person that you had delegated to or bringing it to management to let them know maybe People on your unit need more training about something, but that's okay. Like that's good to discover those things instead of saying, well, they can't do a good job and they're not doing a good job. So I'm just going to do it all. What if we help them do a good job with it? A safe job, right? 
But like I said, I think that's pretty rare. I think most of the time they can do the task, but we're worried they're not going to do it perfectly or do it the way that we would do it. Like, what does it even mean to do a good job? With some things, you might have it more black and white, like putting in a catheter. You might have some things that you're like, this is doing a good job, doing it safely, preventing infections, all of that. And this is not doing a good job. But there's so much variability in any way a nurse approaches things that there could be a ton of ways to do a good job with putting in a catheter, with starting an IV, with giving medications, and then with your CNAs, taking vital signs or doing I's and O's. Like, they might not do it the exact same way as you, but they could still do a good job. This last weekend, me and my family went with a couple other families to the mountains to stay at a cabin and go sledding and stuff with our kids. And my husband likes to cook. And so he volunteered to be the one for the three days that we were there to do all the grocery shopping and plan all the meals and cook all the meals. And he would have the other husbands help him cook because he thought, you know, that'll be a nice break for the moms who typically do the cooking for their families to have this break and me and the guys can do it, right? So I was like, awesome. This sounds great. I'm totally on board with this. Have fun, guys. (laughs) Don't have to ask me to not cook dinner twice. But it was interesting to see my friends, the other moms, kind of struggle with this idea. And so at first, as they kind of struggled with it, it was like almost stressing them out more to not be cooking the meals themselves than to let someone else do it. I think this is what many of us do when it comes to delegating, whether it's for our jobs or in our families. Maybe we're hesitant to ask our partner to do something that we're not sure if they're going to do it as good as us, right? Or asking other people to help us out with things. We're like, I like having this control over how it's done. And putting that trust that they'll do a good enough job, even if it's different from the way I do it, can feel really uncomfortable. So a lot of times what we do is we would rather have the discomfort of doing everything ourselves than the discomfort of trusting other people to do it well enough, to do it differently than we would. Because that's more familiar to us, right? Doing it all, taking on everything, that's more familiar to us. Allowing other people to do it their way and trusting that their way is just fine. Feels way more uncomfortable. And that's fine. Like you might decide, I want it done this particular way. So I'm willing to have the discomfort of doing it all myself. But when we realize we're making that choice, then we don't indulge in the self-pity as much because we're like, I want to do it. I want it done this way, so I'm going to do it every time. And we feel fine about it. But when we think we're stuck doing it because no one else could possibly do it right, then we're kind of lying to ourselves. We're blocking opportunities to have help. So if you want to stop blocking those opportunities for help, you have to be willing to go through that discomfort of letting someone else do it differently 
and trusting that it's all going to be okay. And that's what my friends ended up doing. They, and it didn't take long for them to be like, okay, if you're sure about this, go ahead and just let the men cook the dinners for us. And it was great. But notice in your life, are you blocking help because you think you're the only one who can do it? There might be a lot of opportunities for help out there. All right, my friends. So I hope that helps you through some of your delegation drama. If you're feeling like it's awkward to ask people for help or you feel shame around asking people for help, then I hope you'll think about those things we talked about today and those mindset shifts and see how asking for help and delegating doesn't have to be mean or rude or inconsiderate. It doesn't have to be shameful. It can be wise. And there are so many people around who are totally qualified to help you. Okay, my friends, have a beautiful week. I'll talk to you later. Take care.